Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unaccompanied Adult Podcast. This is your host, Melly Vega, Melanie Vega, Honey Vega, Mel, Mella, whatever you decide to call me, whatever day of the week it is. Um, one of my aliases that I have. I'm so happy to be back and to be recording. I dipped out on you guys for a few weeks there. Um, that was not planned. It wasn't, it was somewhat intentional and I will get into that, but it was unintentionally intentional. But I needed a few weeks. I didn't, I, I needed time. I didn't know how long it was going to be, but I, but I needed time because I do not produce anything or create anything that I feel like is half-ass. I just can't do it. And I feel like I wasn't having my all into what's going on with this, with this project, with this, you know, with this podcast. I had a lot of people asking me about like my next episode and when that was going to be. And I was pleasantly surprised by that. I think that's a quality. That's something about myself that I'm going to be feeling for a while is people's feedback and their enjoyment and what have you um, towards the things that I create, especially this. Because I didn't know what to expect. So hearing such positivity and hearing so many good things and hearing that people missed it, that they were asking when the next episode was going to be and what happened and where I went. And after just only doing two episodes, that was really nice. But yes, I did need some time. I had a full episode recorded. Um, I still do. And I was contemplating if I was going to use that material or not. And I'm kind of glad that I sat for a little bit on it and decided not to. I recorded the episode shortly after the insurrection at the Capitol. And oh, it's just started raining. Oh, what a good sign. Just as I started recording, it started raining outside. And I I see rain as such a, it's a blessing. It's a message from something higher above. Um, so thank you, goddess. You're listening. I know you are. Um, <laughs> so yes, I recorded an episode with my thoughts, feelings um, about what occurred. And logging into taking in all of that information and wanting the episode to be less about my emotions and more about like, yes, about my feelings, but my feelings about what was actually going on, not just what I was seeing on my side of algorithms of social media and of Google searches and what have you. But that caused me to go down a hole of information that really stressed me out and really made me feel very, not depressed as in a sad or, you know, life-threatening or self-loathing kind of way, but just depressed in the way that I just felt heavy and I felt down. I felt, I felt aggravated and I was also not surprised. And I realized that I I had this underlying feeling that I wasn't happy with the episode. I wasn't happy with how I was reacting. 
um, because it wasn't a state in which I wanted to be in and which I wanted to put out into the world, which was anger and frustration and negativity and all of these things that cause a lot of one-sidedness. Um, so I stepped away from it and I just kept listening to that intuition. And then I started the job, my new job, bartending. It took and has taken up so much of my time and energy and not in a, in a bad way, not in a draining way, not in a way in which it's not expected or is, is um, unhealthy for me. It was just a big shift in how my time was being consumed and I needed to get my body used to these long hours. It's already been two weeks that we've um, officially been open and I've been on a five days a week schedule for minimum eight hours a day. And that seems like a typical, you know, job eight hours a day for five days a week. But in this profession, when that's those eight hours are occurring from five, six o'clock until midnight, one in the morning, and that's just when we're closing. That's not even taking into consideration the cleanup time of, of, of closing the actual restaurant, closing the actual store. And because we're still getting used to things, I wasn't leaving until 3, 3.30 in the morning. I still had to eat. I still had to, you know, do my winding down, which a lot of my winding down really just consists of me being alone. That's it. Um, whatever it is I do, it's not that I necessarily have a routine. I mean, I try to stretch I try to hydrate as much as I can, but I don't, you know, I don't have a wind down routine necessarily. Um, just anything that consists of me being quiet. I don't necessarily need to be surrounded by quiet because I might want, you know, put on my show, which is a show, which is my current binging show is me rewatching Arrested Development. And I just myself need to be still and silent. Um, and that takes a little while. So realistically, I was going to bed by about five, maybe six in the morning. And then that would have me waking up noon, one o'clock, if I was very tired or if I had three days in a row, which were very tiresome, then I was waking up at, you know, two, almost three, and then getting up, then I do have my wake up routine where I try to stretch. Um, hydration is always part of any routine I have, but, um, stretching is a big part of it. Like getting my body physically ready and then boom, I'm right back at it again. And that's how it's been for the past um, couple of weeks that we've been open. The hardest thing was learning all of their cocktails because they have so freaking many and they're all, they're all so similar, but they're just a little bit different. And our trainer was so like, like first, first day of training, she was like, here's 25 drinks and memorize them all. Uh, by tomorrow, I should have said that. Memorize them all by tomorrow because we're going to be making them. And she did mean like, hey, make me this drink. Okay, what goes in it? Quick, think about it. Think about it. Like she was a no BS having woman. Um, I respected her, but it was a little like the expectations were a little or almost unreachable, almost. 
But I had a lot of work to do and I took this job very seriously. I've been wanting to get behind the bar again for a while. And this was a huge and is a huge opportunity to make very good money and save up for the things that I've been wanting to save up for, for the things that I need and that I need to immediately get and the bills that I currently need to pay for and to save up money to, you know, move out of Gainesville to wherever it is that I land. So anyway, that was very time consuming, but it has been time consuming. And now I feel like a good amount of time has passed where I'm getting mentally and physically adjusted to, hey, I probably am not going to fall asleep till three, four in the morning, almost every night. And then I'll wake up in the late afternoon. That's just going to be my life. And understanding what my schedule was looking like. Because with a wishy-washy schedule, I would have to do a wishy-washy podcast schedule, which consisted of, okay, what day am I going to record? What day am I going to edit? I also need to still um, finish up the social media accounts and I need to finish up the cover art, like land on some cover art, which I did want to put off for a little bit till I got a better feel for what I was trying to, to create here. So considering that I am the sole host, creator, producer, uh, editor of this currently, I was like, well, I don't need to talk to anybody else if I want to put this thing on pause because I need to put it on pause to maintain quality of it that I desire, then fuck it, I'm going to put it on pause. And the people that want to listen will just have to understand and hopefully they do and, you know people have. So anywho, again, I am very excited to be back and to be recording. It feels really good to be doing this again, to be sitting in front of my computer with the headphones. I have my glass of wine. There's beautiful rain outside. I have Benji sitting here curled up to my right. It feels great. So the topic that I was intending on speaking on the last episode, and I won't go too much into it because I don't want to. <laughs> um, you know, we all know what happened. Are those of us really, truly paying attention, are we surprised? No. Is it absolutely aggravating that people are still sticking by the people that chose to attend this insurrection? And are choosing to stick by the once president that incited it. Is that fucking aggravating? Absolutely. But again, not surprising. The thought that I was having that had me feeling very sad and solemn was the understanding that the problem, and just out of the gate as I say this, it might sound very obvious. It feels, it's, it's about to feel very obvious what I'm about to say, but that the problem is not within the fact that we had an individual like we had holding the highest office possible. That, that was not the issue. Was it the thing that sparked the actual issue? Yes, which is the people. The issues of neo-Nazism, fascism, sexism, racism were all extremely prevalent, we know this, forever. 
Did it seemingly go away for a little bit? Yes. Did we get our hopes up over eight years of an Obama presidency and all that other bullshit that we wanted to tell ourselves? Yes. And then this happened. And then all of those people came from behind the bushes and said, oh my God, now we can be heard. Now we have a leader that is going to stand by us. So whatever. Everything that's happened over the past four years has happened. All of these things have come to, to fruition. They were things that People were like, oh my God, I can't believe this country could be like this. I thought we were a melting pot. Like, no, 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 motherfucker, no. <laughs> this has always been a problem. It just kind of gets a little diluted or, you know, they go in. And, and that's historically. For instance, the KKK over the span of hundreds of years have had spurts of which They've made themselves visible, gone through the streets, caused riots, murdered people, and then something would happen, and then they would kind of disappear for a little bit, but they would always come back, and they are always hiding in the shadows, and they are always birthing more. So the issue is that I think this is where I've always lied to, because I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself to be political. I think my existence, unfortunately, is a political statement. But I'm more interested in social politics and how society moves within the politics, which now is there. There is nearly no line between the two. So when we have a puppet like the U.S. president, whoever it may be, we think that that's a clear representation of what's going on in the country. It is, but it's really not. And it's naive to think that a change in that chair, a change in that seat, in that title, does anything major. It doesn't. Four years ago, did it do something major? Absolutely. But it was nothing that history hadn't seen before. It's nothing that we hadn't seen before. It was just more stressed. So going back to my previous point, my issue is it's not the former president that's the problem. It's the people that will continue to make attempts to live out this legacy of his. It's the person that lives across the hall, your neighbor, the people you run into at the grocery store, the people you take care of at your job. It's your own family. It's the people at your table. It's the people around us. This problem isn't going away. And once people stop talking about it, it's not going to go away just because people stop talking about it. These issues will still lie there dormant in microaggressions, in the little passing bys, they will exist there. And it's a responsibility of the people that desire this place to be more unified in total, not subjectively unified, as a whole unified to implement these moral expectations and ethical expectations and obligations once we see that others are not doing their part to create a civilized society. What I mean 
in simpler terms, is if the guy at the grocery store next to you is being racist, tell that motherfucker he's being racist. If your boss at your job is making sexist remarks, tell him he's making sexist remarks. Because the moment that you stay silent when you hear that there is a problem, and you let it pass by, you've become an accomplice to give that person the permission to continue to act in that way. Possibly worse. More likely than not, worse. And I do, I do completely understand an instance where if it's done to you, you might be so shocked or so concerned that you might get in trouble for saying something or you might especially, and, and I mean, this is the, this is the real facts or um, the real experience that I can speak of is somebody, especially an older male harassing me. And I worry that if I go to somebody, because if it's in a certain system, like a family dynamic or at work, that if I report it, somehow it comes back to me. And that's a reaction of trauma that's so embedded in any form of oppressed person. If I defend myself, am I, are things going to be worse? And it's, it's so, it's so sad and it breaks my heart to think, to acknowledge that that thought process exists. I have fallen victim to it. Sometimes I still do. I had weeks ago, weeks, weeks, weeks ago at my old job, I had this very drunk guy grab me, like my arm, not like grab me sexually, but he like grabbed me and he wouldn't let me go. And I was yelling at him to stop. And I was so shaken up afterwards and people were watching the people, the other drunk people in his party were watching. They did nothing. And half of them were women. He was the oldest guy there and he grabbed me. And I noticed after I noticed many things, but I thought about it afterwards and I was like, why did I not react? in the way that I thought I would? Why did I not react in the way that I would have told somebody else they should have? Like another, if, an, if another girl there, another woman there said that that happened to them, I would have said, why didn't you do something? Just like other girls, other women there, my coworkers were like, well, why didn't you tell them this? Why didn't you tell them that? And I was like, I don't, why didn't you yell at them? I would have told them to back the fuck off me. I would have said it like, I'm like, that's, that's so crazy because that is who I am. That is how I am. I have no issue defending myself. But in that moment where somebody made, an older man made physical contact with me, an aggressive physical contact with me in that way, I was so shaken up. And again, as I was reflecting on it and how uneasy it made me. Uneasy is not the word. I was shaken up. Like I was, I was, I was very visibly upset. And I realized that my previous traumas, because I do have 
sexual abuse tied to mental abuse in my history, in my past. And in the past, I believed that I couldn't say anything and I didn't for years. And my, I hate to say this, my story almost seems textbook. I didn't say anything for years because I was worried that I, I was going to get in trouble or that nobody would believe me. And then when I finally said something about it, nobody did. And that's unfortunately still my story. But I, yes, I realized that my reaction or my lack of reaction came from a place where I just wanted it to be over. That that interaction with that guy that I became so submissive immediately became so submissive that I just was like, yes, here you go. Here's your change. I don't care that you didn't tip me. I don't care that da 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 da. I would just like you to leave and just to get out of my face and to get out of my way so that I can just go and I can go and do something else and be somewhere else. I, I, I was a fight or flee response and I fled. And I was upset with myself that I didn't fight because that is the kind of advice that I would give to somebody else. Because that man then got into a car, whether he drove himself or not, I don't give a shit, but he got, he, he left, continued on, and the people around him said nothing about it, did nothing about it, and all of those people went on with their lives thinking that what occurred that night was okay. But here I am. And there I was having it affect me and having to talk, not having to talk, I'm choosing to talk about it on this podcast with you all. And so I get where as, as much as I want to give advice about, hey, we need to make change and don't let people get away with shit. Sometimes it's fucking hard because when we've tried to make the change before, when we try to go against the oppressor, try to go against the abuser, try to go against the person that's taking advantage, the person with power, the higher up. The consequences that fall down on us, whether directly or indirectly or emotionally or whether they happen immediate or in the future, the desire to avoid those has us go, okay, you know what? I'm just going to keep it to myself. And I almost give myself a set, like I, I was almost so ashamed of myself that I didn't react in the way that I would hope any of my girlfriends would react, which was no asshole, get the fuck off of me. Get your greasy, stubby, short fingered hands the fuck off of my body. So much easier to say now, right? But when somebody does something to you that ignites that trauma that somebody else once did, all of that goes out the window. So it's a classic case of it's easier said than done. And we can only do so much. And forgive ourselves when we don't react in the ways that we thought we would. And that was a humbling moment in which I realized how much of the, that trauma from my teenage life still existed in my body. Obviously, it exists in my emotions and in my mind, but in my body, it's very prevalent. But it is a responsibility 
no matter what form of of oppression and abuse and discrimination that you might have received to sympathize and empathize with other forms of discrimination and of oppression and stick up for people that are outside of your own understanding of reality. All I'm saying here is that we have to continue to fight the good fight. And having a new president does not mean that all of a sudden these things change. The representation changes. And I had this sigh of relief from not hearing the words President Trump anymore. That was like such a good feeling. Hearing President something the fuck else was just already just like a sigh of relief. And of course, there was those negative fucking people that were like, oh, do you think he's any better? Do you think this actually changes anything? No, of course it doesn't. Any logical person that just understands what's going on recognizes that changing those, that the president, whatever, that, that changing, changing of presidency doesn't directly affect everything that's going on. And that the inauguration is a fucking talent show, a, a spectacle, and it's performative, uh, it's performative theater. But God damn it, you couldn't give people a day to at least have like this like, oh my God, we don't get to hear President Trump anymore. Oh my God, we don't get to hear people using the excuse of, oh, he's your president, so you have to respect him. Like, anybody that knows anything knows it's like, okay, yeah, let's celebrate that today that we got this asshole out of there. And then let's celebrate today that we got this asshole out of there. And then tomorrow, after the inauguration, we go into criticizing everything that this new president does. Because that's what you do with things that you love. You appreciate them, but you criticize them and see where they can get better. And there's so many things about this country that need better. But damn, we couldn't have a day of just like, oh my God, thank God. All right, let's just breathe for a second. Things are hopeful. They're hopeful. That's what, if we can grasp onto anything, just let people hold on to their hope. I couldn't, I hate it being on Twitter. They're like, you think this does anything? Of course not. But can you shut up and let me just, for 24 hours, just feel like it does? Or at least enjoy the fact that in this performative theatrical thing that occurred, the inauguration, that there was a, a powerful, black woman that stepped up onto that stage and recited a historic poem. And as I'm watching that, the chills that ran through my spine, not even being a black person, I have no idea what the fuck that felt like. But I was like, just because I have known history and known that relatively not that long ago, there would be no way that a person of color, fuck that, a black person, would have stepped onto that stage and recited a poem of that power and that poem based off of something that happened only days before. 
Because mind you, there was Maya Angelou for Obama's inauguration that stepped on there. That was a black woman as well. That was very powerful and very monumentous in its own ways. But considering the past four years and the and the uprising in, in fueling of racial tensions, and then for a young woman, so powerful in her words to say that, like, that's beautiful. And that's representation for young black girls everywhere that were already feeling represented. This is my understanding, already feeling represented by Kamala Harris. And then you have Miss Lady Gaga, who has, for her whole career, been an icon for the gay community. Steps up and sings the national anthem. A girl from New York that was told she would never amount to anything is singing the national anthem at the presidential inauguration. That's momentous. And then you have Miss Jennifer Lopez, an ongoing activist for the Latin community and for the rights of immigrants who has worked beside Biden and beside Obama for years for the rights of immigrants in this country. Another young girl from the Bronx that's stepping up, singing at the inauguration, and spoke the first Spanish words in history on stage for billions of people to see. And I might be a little biased because I'm absolutely in love with her and she's one of my idols. But these are momentous things. And it is okay to let people have things. Like, stop being a fucking asshole and ruining things for people. Like, we know it's shitty. We've all been paying attention. I hope so. Please. Because I found myself watching that and being emotional, but I was emotional in the same way where, not the same way, it was a different kind of emotion, but I was emotional four years ago because I knew watching everything that I was watching, watching his inauguration, watching all those things and I'm going, oh my God, I know what this represents. I know that uh, things were already shitty, but I know th things were already terrible in the systems that were already in place, but there was still an opportunity for people that haven't fallen into the systems and haven't become part of those systems to still make a change in their thought process and for us to still overcome and overpower those trying to oppress. But with Trump going into office, it was like, oh God, here we go. This is a fast track for people to be like, yeah, let's get fucking racist again. Like, ah, oh, shit, here they come. We were trying to do the work, but here we go. We just took fucking four years worth of steps backwards. So now with that day, there's a kind of like, all right, let's pick ourselves up for a moment. Let's shake off that fucking fever dream that was four years ago and understand that the entire system is corrupt. Both parties are bullshit. We recognize that, but at least a little bit, let's give people a little bit of hope that this motherfucking country can be saved from itself. Let's hope. And if you want to be so damn negative or like, oh, do you think this is really going to make a change? Everything's going to be terrible tomorrow. Just like, then go, go fucking, never mind. I was going to say something mean.
anyway, this is what happened. <laughs> this is what happened the first episode. I got very passionate about these things. And then I got very, I got very passionate about them. And then I started working myself up. And then when I was done recording, I was still so, I was still so worked up that I couldn't separate myself from it. And then I was just consistently worked up for like two days. And then I just got really, 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 really drained. So let's pull back from that. Again, my point here being the work is not done. The work comes from our actions, our micro actions, our bits of activism, and our ability to silence people that still think that they have a say with their hate. And don't react with hate. Don't match hate with hate. Because a lot of times, at least what I've seen and what I have understood from people that, um, for instance, they join cults or gangs or, well, any kind of grouping, really, because there's also religion. Um, it comes from a place of vulnerability, a place of loneliness, a place of solitude. I mean, that's what cults pray after is for people that feel isolated um, from their families, or they make, they try to make them feel isolated and then say, Hey, you know, come join us. That's what, I mean, neo-Nazi groups would do when they would go and recruit, they would find, um, or, or members of the KKK, they would, they would, they would recruit by finding, I forget how they found out about certain things, but they would find people that had just lost their jobs or are going through like major financial struggles something very very um people in very vulnerable positions happen upon them and recruit them and tell them hey this is you will have a, a, a sense of family here a sense of community here and once you implement once you bring into the conversation a sense of family and a sense of community people will follow along with nearly anything because they feel safe there because they are protected without really truly realizing how many other people they're destroying because they're good, because they have what they needed. And it does feed into a selfish side of us that we all have, but it feeds into our desire to be accepted and to be blended together with other people. You know, I had, I remember when I turned 18 and it was time for me to pick a political party. I remember asking my mom, I was like, you know, like, okay, like, because I really didn't know enough about it to be confident. And like, this is what I am. I was also 18. Like, I recognized how much I didn't know about that, at least. And I was like, hey, like, which one should I choose? Like, what, which, whatever. And I remember her saying that, well, she, that she always listed herself as, uh, or was part of the Republican Party because Republicans made more money. And I was like, Okay. Making money is good, right? That's what the apparent, like one of the biggest goals in everybody's life is to make money. So, because money is how you get literally everything. So, okay. And yes, for four years of my life, I was registered as a Republican. I had never voted Republican ever. 
so I thought I had thought about that and that reasoning. And then I remembered this was another time later down, down the, down the timeline where I remembered the conversations my mom would have with me about her growing up and struggling and watching, you know, my grandparents struggle to make money to, you know, put food on the table and things like that. And, you know, and hearing my mother's stories from my mom and from people who have known my mom for such a long time and hearing how hard she's worked, how hard she does work, but how hard she has worked um, to have the life that she has and to have the home that she has and the, the things that she has and to be able to provide for my brother and I in the ways that she has, which has been such a blessing. And I recognize how fortunate I have been in that regard. That is, however, where when our, my mother's and I upbringings are different, her with her struggling with money and her, I don't want to say her goals were to obtain wealth of that sort, but essentially it was like that. So she prioritized, and this is how I see it, that she prioritized money because that meant that she was able to have stability, which she also had told me she didn't have a lot growing up. So those that was her seeking those things. And then so obviously that goes into like her 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 logic of like, okay, well, that's why I I want to be a part of the party that has more money. That's about money. And I grew up not giving a shit about it. Um I still don't I do think that it is important, but I don't hold a lot of respect to it. I don't prioritize it in my life. I don't think that I, I, my main goal in life is not to make money. My main goal is to be satisfied, is to be comfortable, but that monetary things do not drive me. Um, and that's a part of that is likely due to the fact that I didn't watch my family struggle. And if I, and if they did, at least my mom, you know, cause I grew up more with her. If they did, she damn well didn't show it. You know, I got to, you know, she took me to amusement parks and I got great, great Christmas gifts. And, you know, my health was always taken care of. And, um, I mean, even in college, if I was, if I was struggling, you know, broke college student problems, like she has my back. Um, so that's what, you know, my perspective on these things can be skewed. So again, my, so my, my main point is that due to our previous experiences and the things that we have lacked and the things that we have seen, the things that we desire can fit more into what our values are in life. And this is not an excuse for people to be fascist and for people to be racist, but not, but this is not an excuse. It's just that. I don't think that a lot of people, especially that are Trump supporters, recognized what they're supporting to the extent that they are. Just like a lot of people that went into Nazi and neo-Nazi groups didn't fully recognize because they were after, a, they were longing for something that they did not have before. They were longing for a sense of, of, of community and a sense of just something towards their values and yes their values speak a lot on the kinds of person the kinds of people that they are do i hate them for it no i try I try not to i try not to hate 
especially when it comes about people that value money, I try not to judge them. I just recognize where you and I are not the same, fam. So thing is, is that there are people that are blatantly just shitty, shitty supporters, you know, the right wing, whatever, Republican, Trump supporters, whatever type of label you want to put. There are people that are just flat out shitty. And then I've known people that are decent human beings, but they're like, yeah, I vote for Trump. And I'm like, why? I'm like, why? Please, how can I save you? What is it that you think that you're getting from this that you are actually missing in your life that we can get you somewhere else without you having to cast a vote for somebody that is going to damage the lives of millions of people? What else can we do to you? Therapy? Question mark. Here's my card. Listen to my podcast. Maybe you'll find something fucking different than whatever you think you're finding in this asshole. What I'm trying to say here again is that there might be a conversation that can happen that happens before your Trump supporter block me. That was an issue I had for a while. It rubbed me the wrong way. If you voted for Trump, just fucking unfriend me. I don't ever want to hear from you again. I get where it's fucked up. I get where being a supporter of his is fucked up. How is it any better? And this is not a rhetorical question. Now that I feel like I've answered, like, actually, how is it any better to separate yourself from somebody that thinks differently than you so that you can only surround yourself with people that think the same as you and therefore your opinions never really hold true weight? I know that this sounds fucking controversial as shit. I know this. My my thing, I would I would very much hesitate to unfriend or block somebody um over Facebook. I it was very dependent on the type of support and statements that they were saying. If I found them to be genuinely harmful, gen like genuinely harmful i was like oh no you're just a shitty person otherwise if they were just showing their support because they were like they they shared a meme where they were like yeah president trump is the greatest president we've ever had i'm like well no he's fucking not definitely not and i know why but i don't know why you're saying that and maybe let me hear you out because if you don't hear the other sides of things how do your opinions hold any weight in any argument ever because that's all you've ever seen and that's all you've ever heard. And you're going to drown yourselves in your own algorithms. Because I promise you, if you were to put every person that thought like you on an island and every person that thought the opposite of you on the other island, let's make it political. Fuck it. You have every left wing liberal on island A. And every right-wing conservative on Island B. Guess what the fuck you're going to have in the whole world that consists of these two islands. You're going to have an island of this and an island of this. And they're never going to fucking change. Because they are continue to grow and to breed other people and to hear their same own 
bullshit and they're going to start stroking each other off, off of their own opinions because they're going to be like, oh my God, you're so right. We're so right. We're so godly. We're so much better than Island B. Oh my God, Island A fucking sucks. And then we're never going to get anywhere as a human fucking race because you're so involved with your own way of thinking. Now, do I genuinely feel like one side, one side, I hate fucking saying that, but one kind of way of thinking is more human based, is more inclusive, is more about human rights, uh, basic human rights, about civil rights, about racial justice, absolutely. And that side has activism and that side fights for better, better human decency and quality of life. But you can't just shun people away, put them in a box with other people like them and think that they're going to change. No, it involves a conversation. It's the hard conversation. And this is not arguing over Facebook comments. This is just saying that if you want the world to be more unified, you have to be ready to make the choices in which you have to unify somebody or help somebody to come to your side or, or find a middle ground by having the hard conversation, by hearing the thing that you don't want to hear without getting angry. And that is a huge thing that I'm working on, especially when I hear people I care about, like my family, say some things where I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But if I get flustered, if I get angry, if I get, who's going to listen to me? Who the hell's going to, I wouldn't want to listen to me. I'd be like, you know what? This is why I can't talk to you about how I feel, about what I think, about why I think that way. But I promise you, and this does not go across the board. Again, people, just, some people deserve to just be fucking blocked and to just like, whoop, shut up. You just suck. You just suck straight the fuck up. Like you just suck and there's no saving you. Or there's no, there's no helping this. There's no, let me not say saving you, but there's no conversation to be had here. But some people, and this has happened to me where I sit and I go, all right, tell me why you think that way. Sometimes they don't have an actual reason in which I'm glad to provide you with a sense of logic and reasoning. A lot of times they have a reasoning, but it stems from something personal in which that way it's like, Okay, well, I can't argue with why you feel that way considering your past, considering what you experienced, considering how you've been treated. And then I go, okay, well, what are other ways that we can channel this other than you thinking this train of thought that is actually more harmful to people than you realize? But people don't want to put in that work. They want to... If you're a Trump supporter, block me. That's how we're going to get people together, for sure. Anyway, I'm going to sip my wine. I know, I know some people hearing this might be surprised um, considering my values, considering my very vocalized opinions about almost everything. I mean, like, how could you say that? Like, like I, as I was, I was saying all that, I was thinking about this, that tweet that was going around. I was like, or whatever that post, let's just call it a post because it, it made its way to Facebook too. Um, it's like, 
oh, why can't people have differences of opinions? And it's like, well, that's about pizza toppings, not about civil rights or not about basic human rights. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, don't, I'm not saying that we should include like, oh, you know, if you just, you know, I feel like women should have a say in their bodies and, and you know, you feel like the government should control women's bodies and whatever. That's your opinion. That's my opinion. Like, no, that's not necessarily it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a conversation with you on why you feel that the government needs to weigh in on women's bodies. And that could be so many different reasons. And now if you're a man saying this about women's bodies, that's going to be a conversation on why you're sexist. And that's going to be a conversation into your relationship with your mom, probably. Like there's something that is always, there's an underlying trauma in which we are all experiencing. And all of our emotions and all of our feelings are not superficial. None of them. And we have to get to a deeper understanding of why we are reacting this way, including myself. I am passionate about the things that I, I, I get political, especially because, I mean, I, I'm a person that experienced sexual abuse and a bunch of people that didn't believe me. I was also, also um, emotionally and mentally abused for years in my, in my very first relationship, my very first idea of love. That's why I am the way I am. That contributes to that. And then with me having years of men taking advantage and abusing and harassing and, and weighing in on, on my experiences and my everything, then that makes me want to fight for other people that have felt even remotely like how I do. For other women, for people of the gay community, for people of the black community, because I'm just like, hey, we're all just projecting our own shit at the end of the day. So just if we're gonna if we're gonna go through cancel culture. <laughs> we have to be very considerate in which we do so. And if we're talking cancel culture on like celebrity, very well-known government official whatever have you. Scale, okay. If we're talking about canceling people from our lives, you know, friends, family members, be selective in how you do so. I'm not going to not talk to my family members solely based off of the fact that they voted for Trump twice. That's not the reason. It's going to be their actions, their reasons why, how they actually treat people. Because again, some of the people that voted for Trump have no idea actually what the fuck that meant when they did. And I think that's what gets people really angry is they're just like, well, like you don't realize what you're doing. When my dad voted for Trump, I think he knew what he was doing. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. My mom voting for Trump, I think she has no idea what the hell that vote meant. And one day, maybe we'll sit and try again to have a conversation about it. And if again, it doesn't go through, Fuck it. At least I tried. You're still my mom and I love you. And that's what it has to be. Not what it has to be. But that's, look, in years from now, when these people are gone, when we're almost gone, I don't want to remember myself hating them. Feeling resentment. I don't want to carry that with me into my next life. I don't. I want to approach people with compassion and with understanding an attempt to understand.
I want to approach people with love. No matter how hard it is, I want to do that. And with the fiery, sassy bitch of a person I can be, it gets very difficult. But I do not think that the answer is fighting war with war and hate with hate and anger with anger. Somebody needs to lay down their weapon eventually and we need to start talking to each other. The difficult conversations too. The ones in which you're like, God, you're being so racist right now. God, you're being so sexist right now. But maybe if I can just, maybe if I can just tone it down and I can talk to you like you are a human because you are, maybe you'll listen and maybe there will be a change, a small shift that can start a ripple effect to hopefully you growing and you understanding where you are falling short of basic human decency. That is where my hope lies, but I do not think shunning people out and isolating them does anything but make people feel like they want to do what they're doing and feel how they're feeling more. Because that's what happened to me. I feel this certain way. Well, I think that that's stupid and I think that you don't know what you're talking about. Well, guess what, motherfucker? I'm going to do it twice as hard now. Not because I feel this way, but now just because of spite. So tread carefully in your arguments and your discussions and recognize that You don't know everything. None of us do, especially when it comes to politics. There's a whole mess of bullshit we don't even understand. A whole mess that we know nothing about. And I am no better than anyone else. Do I think maybe I'm in certain accords? I'm better decent of a human being because I respect my neighbor no matter what they are and who they are? Yeah. But if I'm going to be a person that says I'm going to respect somebody, I'm going to respect my neighbor no matter who they are, then I'm going to try to do that until it seems like there really is no no helping. Because some people are, are are simply lost and then we have to move on, maybe to their children, maybe we can save them. A little compassion, love, and listening can go a lot further than than exiling someone that's where that's where evil starts to grow is from isolation and exile shoot i don't know if i'm even gonna like this episode see this is where i was before where i had this feeling this sadness in me about these things and maybe it's because uh, as I'm talking I'm like you know what I'm starting not to believe anything I'm saying and maybe we really are just all fucked but we have to try to be better and to act with kindness to come from a place of love no matter how hard it is we don't know who's really what that's really what they're in search of anyway I'm glad to be back guys start uh again clearing clearing a more solidified schedule with this new job and i look forward to hearing your feedback on all my episodes i love you all so much and thanks for tuning in again once again bye guys